we love to talk here, but hello, hello, hello. Already. Already. I am, um, my name is Juan Pablo. I'm the pastor here. You can uh, use he, him pronouns when um, you speak of me. And every week we try to um, have someone that shares their story, um, kind of tells us a little bit about their journey. Sometimes where God or the divine is speaking to them, and sometimes where that where God's not speaking to them. Um, so uh, it's all different types. And so I invited a friend of mine that is the executive director of Palenque LSNA. I'm sure uh, she will uh, talk a little bit more about her uh, about that. Um, we are a member of this org- beautiful organization that um, 30 year, 30 over 30 years, they had the same executive director. And a few years ago, they chose the youth organizer from the organization to lead the community. And um, we have just done some really powerful things. And I'm excited to be part of this organization and that we can continue to do more work in the community. So I want to introduce Juliet Alejandra de Jesus. Hello. All right. Is it okay to put things? Is it okay? I don't want to be desecrate anything. Oops. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Um. Yeah. How beautiful is this? Like, I I left the church a long time ago. I'm like, I I find myself like a recovering church girl. I I think that's part of my identity. One of my identities, because at the church that I grew up with, it was like the world was ending and so it was the point of anything like literally right like all the problems and then it was just like well that's of the world right and that's what the world does and so like there was no like how do we engage with the world how do we shape because right there was it was just done right that was kind of their explanation um and that wasn't good enough for me like i was like first of all i'm a virgin so the world better not be ending um at the time i've taken care of that um uh, <laughs> So that was number my one priority. God was so much bigger than that, right? Like God was loving and alive in, in everyone. And the way that they were teaching me to live in the world actually made me feel unalive, right? And it made me, at that time, one of my, Monica Beverly Hills, right? One of my cousins um, was still just figuring out herself in the world. And the church's answer of who she was in the world was like, well, it's wrong, right? And I was like, that's, see, like, I can't, I can't be here, right? And it, it was scary, too, because the way that they explained the world was like, you're going to go to hell if you're not here, right? And I was like, I don't know, but it feels like hell to, here, too, right? Um, so anyway, so that's a little bit of my church journey. So it's, it's beautiful to be in this space, but also it's like, you know, um, so... Yes. And so the, I, I chose to find God in community and in myself and, and all the people that were supposed to be rejected, by it, right? Um, and that's where I saw God's love everywhere. Um, I saw it on the streets, right? I saw it in my family who was struggling. Anyways, and I saw eventually I'm seeing God in myself. So I'm going to start. I'm Juliette de Jesus Alejandre. She, her, um, some of, I told you a little bit of my identities, but also. I am um, a mother of three, 
Uh, two of my boys have disabilities. So like, that's another world that I'm also learning about, right? Like race, class, gender, ability, disability, like that's, you know, and all the ways that we have set up society to not accept, right? Um, gender, how I, through my children and through my family, I get to experience many different worlds and many kinds of different oppressions and, and resistance, right? So I'm here to talk a little bit about um, art as resistance. It was, it was kind of what the setup that Juan Pablo gave me. <laughs> um, and for me, I'm a community organizer. That's another one of my identities, right? Like, I really believe that we can shape a different world. Because the world has been shaped by other people, by the imaginations of evil people, right? Like, what's good, what's beautiful, what's not? That's just somebody's imagination. That's all it is, right? These policies are just people's thoughts, right, about who needed to be controlled, whose bodies needed to be controlled, whose lives needed to be controlled, right? How are we going to control money um, and, and yeah, political power, right? It's just imagination, right? The world can't be imagined something else. But when you've lived, right, in a society where the churches you go to, um, the families we live in, right, like have created the boundaries of what the world is supposed to be. It, it, it takes a lot of work to, to decolonize, right, to reclaim, to heal, um, that it has to be a practice. So I have a daily practice of like imagination, of getting regrounded in what's possible for my life, what's po possible for my children's life, right, despite all the different obstacles that are placed in front of them. Um, and what's possible for our city, around the migrant crisis, around our segregation, right? Like constantly reimagining what that has to mean. I have to be dedicated to that practice because again, right? Those in power who want to control their imagination game, it's tight, let me tell you, right? They are constantly imagining how to take and strip, right? Um, I, I had a, an example, I was in a training and I was so frustrated because it was a, a lot of top organizers from Chicago doing a lot of amazing work and we we're all pulled together for like four days to do this imagination exercise about what other worlds are we trying to create it was called like spaceship or something like something really cool that I thought was really cool um but they didn't a lot of people didn't think it was cool a lot of the organizers were like this is a waste of time right sorry starting to get hot uh thank you please uh grapes green M&Ms uh, um, so, so there was, you know, and there was a group from Peoria who said, wow, you know, like our city's really trying to, there was a lot of poverty in Peoria, a lot of things going, and the same kind of segregation that we got in Chicago is happening, has happened in Peoria as well, right? Where the black population is completely segregated in one area. And so, so these black organizers from Peoria were saying that the city just came out with, um, kind of the redevelopment map and like the tourism map and the black part of Peoria is like right in the center, right? The, the, and so the Peoria is like east, west, and then like the black um, part of, the, of Peoria is right in the center. And the map completely cut out the black part of Peoria, like just like imagined it away. So they were, you know, so it was like trying to get people to go to beer, breweries and, and cast to give completely mad been the black part gone so those who hate us 
have an imagination that's pretty powerful, right? And shapes so many things, so many opportunities. And it was that example, right? And I was so upset with some of the organizers who thought that our imagination game was a waste of time, right? Because they're like, people are coming for us. We don't got time to do this imagination thing. I'm like, but that's where it begins, right? It's when we sit and say, what is it that we need to, what do we need to let go of? What is not actually true? What is really not a boundary, right? That we've been taught is something that we're not supposed to do. But the only way we get there is by sitting with the discomfort, sitting with our broken hearts, right? Sitting and then beginning to imagine there's different ways to move here, right? There's different ways to think here, feel here, touch, right? Uh, but I didn't, I was told I wasn't supposed to, that you weren't supposed to. And if you can't do that as an organizer or a teacher, we're just going to keep repeating this cycle, right? You, our orders become a little bit harm, right? Just like, yo, I want to be the one who takes over other communities, right? Like some, some organizers could be that, right? I, I want the ability to oppress other people, right? I'm tired, That can get us free, right? What's going to get us free is a different way to be in power, right? With the earth, with each other, with all the people that we're supposed to not be with, right? So anyways, I'm going to move forward because I know y'all not trying to be here all day. Um, uh, <clears throat> if you don't mind, please hitting the next slide. I do want us to practice. So I'm just going to throw out some ideas that have formed me in my practice of imagination. And then I'm going to invite us to practice together. And it's going to require us to be a little silly, a little vulnerable with each other, if that's okay. Okay, no worries. I'll breathe. It's good. I'll take a drink. So the first slide is about like once you get once we get uh it, the way that a lot of things that we call mental we, we say like you need the and and I offer those things right but a lot of what's making us sick and heart sick and making us feel depressed is because what's happening in the world right um how do how do we not see scenes of genocide every day and that not have an effect on what we believe in right and we see migrants sleeping on the street and we think i think like i'm seeing my family right i'm seeing my ancestors i'm seeing what happened to my ancestors, right like and so all of that affects us, right? So Doctora Rocio Rosales Mesa, she's my Insta my Instagram spiritual teacher. Uh I think uh but she's like when your mental health is determined by how well, right? Like by how well you function in a colonial capitalist patriarchy, you know something is wrong, right? Deeply wrong. That that's not right, like you to be well within within the system is actually down inside of you right and so what we want is more true wellness right by changing the systems that means death to so many people um so you don't mind hitting the next if you are able it's just oh, okay is what it is it's slow and so the next slide is another quote that i love um that Fred, what do you read, friend? 
<laughs> love them. Um, but what what I remember reading it when, when I was like 20, right? And so Franz Fanon talks is from the, the West Indies, right? The Caribbean. And talks about how colonization isn't just the stealing of land and bodies and labor, right? It's also right? And that in order for a colonizer to even take the land back, first you got to believe that you deserved it. You first you got to even know the history that it was yours, right? First you have to heal, right? That peace because what I see when organizing all the time, especially with young people, is that they don't even believe that they deserve goodness, right? When I talk to um, young people at Kelvin Park High School back in the day, um, and we would talk about education funding and what the, you know, the, 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 the computers they had were from like 10, 15 years before, you know, their time. Their books still had like President Clinton as the current president, right? And literally their way of explaining why that was the way it was, where they're like, well, because they know nobody here cares. They know the kids here are gangbangers. They're not going to give us new books. Right. And like, first of all, that's not true. Like, that's not the reason um, that you don't have new books. Right. But it's that way that people. We have this internalized oppression. Right. And it's about believing that we're not worthy actual of liberation. Right. And so Franz Fanon, I love this quote. Right. Because. We need to be able to remove, right, that internalized colonization. It starts with our minds and with our hearts, and I believe with our bodies. So, yeah, if you don't mind hitting the next one. Sorry, this is super slow because. <laughs> is it the basement thing? Not having. Yeah, we figured. Wish I remember what the next one had. Okay. So, so the, here's a little quote that I love. I this I have a new intellectual crutch, Dr. Bayou. Um, and you can hit the next slide, please. Uh, uh, says like when you're organizing of imagination. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Um, then you're gonna just repeat the cycles of oppression, right? You're just kind of moving around things like. So um, instead of abolition of prisons, we think that that body cameras are going to bring us, make us free, right? And body cameras aren't going to make us free because it means your, you know, police districts are just adding millions and millions of dollars to the police budgets, right? And still violence happens and police learn how to turn off the cameras and things continue, right? Um, but that we need actual liberation. So Dr. Bayo says... There is a risk in being saved in the organizing that's about saving, right? Uh, because once you are included, you behave, you are entrapped and incarcerated within systems that you've bought into. We've lost sight of the violence of inclusion. Inclusion is no less fun than it. to be included is to give up our names, something just to be seen. Recognition is not to be beheld, it is to be reformulated in ways that are acceptable to a dominant force. So there's something lost in the act of recognition. And so much of our organizing is about like, let me at the table, let me have a seat at the table, let try to just listen to my voice, right? Um, and he's saying like, no, ha ha your dream has to be bigger than that, <laughs> right? Uh, being seen is just a way of glossing over the fact. Missing 
So if recognizing I'm into the very colonial dynamics that you uh, that you're trying to extra, extricate yourself from, I want to find other places of being and world. And that's what I think art does, right? It gives us practice and being empowered in, in different ways with the world. Um, would any, would there be any volunteer to read the Tony K. Barbara quote? Thank you. And you know, I'm just like, I'm like, sitting soft, we said it's time for the vaccine by the third talk, but that's, I'm just like, getting enough BDS as well. Celebrate exploitation or by this song, love to go boy, that's too tough. And so, so, long to start this day, find out I love that. I love that, that it's our job, right? We're not just making art for, so it to be pretty. Um, when our people are figuratively and literally and spiritually dying, right? Like our job is to, to create revolution through our art, through our work. Thank you. Do you know mind hitting the next slide, please? So this one too, I, I, I love these. Um, who was into sci-fi? Like, Af okay, 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 I love it. Uh, Octavia Butler fans here? Okay, love it. I'm amongst my people. Um, I love it. I love what she's, you know, this idea of Mat the organizing is just is only as good as our ability to imagine another way to be in power, right? So she says, like any time um, that you dream of a world without poverty or breathing or or war, we're engaged in science fiction. When we bring those realities together, that's when we begin to build them right here and now, right? We, but we need to take the time to have a practice of imagining a different way. If you don't mind hitting. Another, it's a right really to write ourselves into the future and to write ourselves into futures we want to be a part of, right? A lot of our, our work is about that. Do you don't mind hitting? And I'm going to move us to, to practice, if you don't mind going to the next slide. This is more about imagination, but I think I made the point about imagination already. If you, so what I'm asking us to do this morning together is to imagine what freedom means to you around any of these problems. So I, I listed, right? Not all. not? Um, gender affirming care and reproductive justice, migration or immigration and borders, prisons and policing, disability and access, industries that harm the environment. I just want you to, to choose one for a second that speaks the most to you. And just begin to imagine what it would feel like. How would you move differently? How would you feel in your body and with and with the people around you if there were if you have create if you created some solutions around it? Right. So homelessness again, gender affirming care, migration, prison, and and the environment. So this one first. I'll give you. All right, now hold that. And if you don't mind hitting the next slide, this is where we get to practice.
So you can keep your eyes closed if you want. It's an invitation or if you feel really bold. We're going to play a song. So this is Chicago, so we have some house music. Uh, hopefully there's some house music fans. Um, and however you're able to move, whether you want to stay seated um, or get up, and you can close your eyes so this is just about you within a room. And to begin to think about that, how would you, if there were, right, if we were to have a solve, right, we came together, we solved, we created some amazing policy and cultural work that changed us, right, you know, there are two rubrics. Homes when people need, um, whatever that is, whatever that one problem that you did, right, that there's, that we've, we've made, we've, you now live in a society where we've solved that. So we're going to dance, right? We're going to dance a little bit and see how we move, imagining that at space, where you're trying to stay at, where you're traveling to the year 27, where that issue is different, right? People are not suffering in the same way. Oh, we're doing that way. Okay, let's do it. Let's get this one good. Mike? Oh, it's said rather. Because we are started all the way to the network from the lover. And then, and our need to tell a man in a hospital. They stung you later with the other opponent. I see. So, did you just head away? Okay. Then it will come as a tablet. Help and check greed. In the garden, must she be a hickory? You would have to market one by left. All right. Met the cursed man. Hey, where are you? Stop where was the room? It can sit down. Not a step seven at the window. Don't want to finish there. You can't say I'm out. I'm not Steve. Fairy doll. One of you. There's in the bed. He's the chest. It wasn't it. He hit the pot again. How did it do? I'll try to see if she's in it. They are out of the duties. Man, yeah, in my day. All right, for not a few months, they are out of the income of the deeds that are cheating. They are out of the deeds. They are out of the Okay. Begin to think while you're dancing of solutions to that problem. Like, what happened to make that different? Like, it shifts. One of the shifts that happened in that problem in 27, we were, we were, we're studying, we're in 2070s, and we're thinking about the shift that had to happen. Who is blowing up Juan Pablo's text messages right now? Okay, that's good. That's good. That's fine. We could, we could, we could transition over. Uh, maybe it was text messages from people in the church saying, make it stop. Okay. So we're there. We're doing it. Um, and I, so if you have your cell phones or a piece of paper, I forgot to bring paper, um, but it's okay. Or just words you want to remember. I, I, and I want whoever would like to share, I would love for you to share, but we're going to take a second right now just to text yourself, um, some words that come up for you around that freedom that you were just moving through, right? This imagining, this imagination exercise around the feeling of freedom, the movement of freedom, around that particular issue that you chose to, to meditate around, right? 
Um, so just take a minute, come up with just a few words. that describes either the solutions or just how it felt to you. Wait. To hold it. And if anyone wants to share, I would love to, I would welcome those, those words. And they don't have to make sense to anybody else but you. But hearing them bubbled up throughout the, the room will sound like a poem in itself. Um, so yeah, hope. do I have any volunteers? Yes, liberation. <laughs> Connect. What? Safety. Hospitality, Lord, and invitation. I must end it. Ending it. Fluidity. Joy. Abundance. Take a couple more. Cooperation. Go out, go bitch. Right. And right now we just wrote policy. We just wrote some new policy this morning, right? Um, for all of these different issues that our city faces, our world faces. Like that needs to be how we shape policy in the city, right? Um, imagining a different way um, to be and to go from that sense of groundedness of what absolutely sustains life, what communities absolutely deserve. Right. And that let that be the way, let that be the policy that we fight around. Right. Not a compromise right from the beginning. Always makes me so sad. Right. When we we go to organize, we go to these meetings and what we're proposing is like crumbs. Right. We're like, we'll take 10 percent of this of the units, please, for affordable housing. It's like, no, 100 percent, 100 percent affordable and accessible. Right. Um, but we'll always just accept crumbs if we don't do this work of imagination. Right. Um, so that's what I'm leaving you in. That you deserve so much more. We deserve so much more. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Um, you'll hear ways in a few minutes of that of ways that we can put this into practice. But thank you. Okay, hi, I'm Rain. Thank you, pronouns. Hi, I'm just gonna read this scripture. Is it this one? 
Okay. Uh, today's scripture comes from Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son when she saw that he... Sorry. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him... She hid him three months. Well, she could hide him no longer. She got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the banks of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw a basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse a child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and collected the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Ray. Wrap some stuff here. Thank you. Um, we are in a sermon series uh, called You Are Art. One of our um, members here, Dante, thought of this and um, this idea of what if we think about ourselves as beautiful works of art, uh, as masterpieces, um, and what would that look like? How would we move in the world if that was the case? And so um, we're going to continue it today. Now, I was supposed to talk about something totally different, but a few days ago, the I was reading and really was wondering what was going to happen with perhaps a ceasefire and maybe the International Courts of Justice would rule that there has to be a ceasefire in Gaza, and they didn't. They just said, make sure you prevent genocide. Make sure you prevent, but gave no orders as to the way to prevent it is stop shooting people. And I just, for me, I just couldn't like sit still and say, um, you know, I'm just going to continue talking about the same thing and, and pretend that everything's going to be okay because we have to be part of that solution, right? And so um, so I changed it a little bit, took this scripture, um, which I think is amazing because it's a scripture of these things, and there's only in, in the Hebrew Bible that are named by name because in that culture at that time, women were property. So they were not named throughout the rest of the scripture there. But there's a few named, the ones in the first chapter. So I'll go through it real quickly. What happened here is when we left the book of Genesis, which is the one right before this, um, we see that uh, Joseph, which was had moved from Canaan to Egypt and became a ruler there uh, among the, the people in the government, and they found favor. So now the Hebrew people can start moving into Egypt, crossing the border into a new land. But hundreds of years pass, and a new pharaoh comes in, and the new pharaoh doesn't know who Joseph is, never heard of him, or perhaps he didn't care because he should know the history of his own land. 
And so what happens is that um, he tells the people, these Hebrew people are taking over our land. We need to figure out what to do with them. Perhaps maybe we close the border. Don't let them in. You would think that would be a solution. No, his solution was that they were kill the he, um, get rid of them, annihilate them. Um, and he spoke ill of Hebrew people until the people started speaking ill of the Hebrew people. If you wonder ever, how does how do we get to a point where people allow this? This is what happens. The Pharaoh told the people that the Israelites outnumber them, and one day they're going to take over. And he didn't want that. So he finds these two midwives and tells them, hey, whenever you go deliver a baby um, while it's being born, if you see that it's a boy, or if you see that it has genitals of whatever, um, kill it. Unalive this baby. If it's a girl, let them go. So imagine these midwives had to, while they're in labor, they had to unalive a baby if it was a boy. Well, these two ladies, Shifra and Pua, um, every, they, they didn't do it. They the throw. Instead, it says that they feared God and they didn't do as the king told them to do. Um, and so they let the boys live. But not only that, they lied to him. They're like, look, these Hebrew women are popping these babies out. They're built different. And so he lets it go. And we get to this story. So now we have um, Jacobet, who is, um, sees her son is born and says, he is good and decides to hide him because once the Pharaoh found out that these midwives were not unaliving these babies, they told the people to do it. They said, he said, all of you go and grab all the boys and throw them into the Nile and let them drown. So that's what was happening. The people were doing it. That's why she's hiding. She hides She sees it's good. And then does something really interesting, takes her hands and starts grabbing um, papyrus and some other things and starts building this opening to the Nile. I'm not sure which place where the other babies were being thrown into. Maybe it's because no one was paying attention. And so she builds this, this um, basket, but the Bible calls it, and this word is only used twice in the Bible, and she's not a big old ark like Noah had, but she's building a small ark for her child, Moses. And the, the similarities is that the ark of Noah brought salvation to humanity. And now this ark that she's building, taking time to make this beautiful piece of art, will bring liberation to her people. These women were badass. They were awesome. They were making things happen. And so for I think about this basket, I think about um, Jacob, Jacoba, Jacoba, this is Moses' mom's name. She was a descendant of Levi, and the Levites at that time were um, 
a tribe that were musicians. They were gatekeepers. They were um, artists. They were they guided the the they guarded the temple. They were the officials of the temple. They were craftsmen. These were the Levites, and she was a descendant of the Levites. So, what's a mother to do when the empire is oppressing her people to the point of death? She built a basket. And so she must have really, truly believed that this basket was going to make a difference. It was going to take Moses to safety. And so for me, it starts with faith. Um, and faith in Hebrews is really called this. It's, it's in Hebrews, uh, I don't know what chapter it's in, but the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so in other words, faith is a belief and a trust in God not based, based on evidence, but not on total proof. And I'll give you an example. Yesterday, we had a money management workshop. We were learning how to budget. Um, and afterwards, Melissa wrote in a text uh, thread, um, we should all like come together and do some accountability and make sure that we're staying, sticking to our budgets. And so when she left the church, she finds a dollar. And I was like, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was like doing a dance because I was like, wow, look at God. Praise God. God did that. Did God do that? Or was someone really just taking a dollar, you know, trying to get the, their keys out their pocket and a dollar fell out and the wind blew it and, and Melissa was just walking by. All right. Point made. I think that was God. I don't. I have the evidence the dollar was found, but really there's no real proof that God caused all of these things to happen right at the moment that we were talking about finances and right at the moment that Melissa steps foot out the church. I don't know where she found it. But then it happened again today because I said, ah, that's a coincidence. But guess what? Someone else found a dollar today. <laughs> She's like, whose dollar is this? So he's like, I don't know. I'm like, that was God too. And I don't know if if Peyton realized that that's what was in my mind, man. Like God is doing stuff and reminding me. To me, that was God. I don't know who dropped their dollar, but to me, that was God. So for us, we have to create and we have to believe that we can make a change. And we have to believe that God is going to help us in our finances. But guess what? We got to stick to a budget. Create and stick to a budget. In faith, look, I can spend a lot of money on things like Starbucks, Fenty makeup, right? We're talking about, can go with wet and wild. But for me, the true test of our belief are our actions. We can't claim to have faith um, if our beliefs never wait and never bear the decision on some risk and cost. I believe God will provide for me to pay off my student loans, that God will help me buy a house, fill in the blank. But I'm also going to stop buying $7 Starbucks every day. Faith and action together. Um, This is really good. Amen. So for me, faith um, must make a difference in how we believe and how we talk and how we act, how we forgive people. Faith has to do that, how we use our, me- our money, how we use our resources. We must believe that the world as it is 
with all the isms that we find, phobias, sexism, racism, that it can't just stay there. It can change. We have to believe that God can change things, that he will see the kingdom of God here on earth one day. So we all have to be basket weavers, bring salvation to bring liberation and it starts with stepping out in faith because when Jokoba held that baby and she saw that that baby was good she saw the image of the divine in her baby and we are all the image of the divine we are art we are masterpieces each of us created by the divine imbued by the holy spirit to spread the good news to bring liberation to the captives. And so like Jacoba, our faith has to move us whenever we see injustice being done to another person. We must become basket weavers. Here's a, a quote by Leonard Bernstein. It says, this will be our reply to violence, to make music more intensely, more beautifully, more devotedly than ever before. So for me, worshiping then in that sense is an act of resistance. Every time we pray, every time we sing a hymn, I listen to the scripture, every time we hear a good we take communion every Sunday. Those things are all good. Every time we baptize someone, we are saying that we're not going to accept the world as it is with all the darkness, with all the hatred, Instead, we're going to believe that God will bring forth the world and should be and we the evidence of that kingdom of God. Those people that love justice and peace are still at the heart of this reality that even though we don't have total proof of it, faith, we believe. And so worship is one of the spaces that we can learn how to uh, relate with God and with each other. It can be an act of resistance in a world that worships individual over collective, independence over interdependence, scarcity over abundance, hate over love, and on and on. Worship that emerges from the minds is resistance. And so when our sermons lift up um, the, the cry of immigrants, the houseless women, LGBTQ people, and include them along the same room, create a work of art that is beautiful and different and unique. We are beloved, created in the image of God. And so we have to worship like it. And so for me, what that means is that um, we believe that Everyone is welcome. So we're going to worship like we believe that. We're going to be basket weavers. Because worship's not just singing songs. It's not about just hearing sermons. Worship's not just about receiving communion. And all of these things are good because it reminds us that we are the world. But worship is ultimately a protest against evil, against death. When we worship, what happens is that we bring our authentic selves, beautifully made, our weary souls 
coming together in solidarity as we long for justice, as we long for peace, and as we long for life. The world may seem dark and there's war and there's poverty and there's hatred, but when we come together, we remember the words from Isaiah 60 that says, I will make peace with your leader, I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and the destruction of war will end. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. The days of your mourning will come to an end. So let's put our faith in uh, there's a QR code with us saying, we're going to work on three issues. And some of these are mostly are through Palenque. One is the teaching for pa uh, Palestine on February 1st. Just come and learn what's happening. What is going on there? It's just, uh, uh, it's via Zoom on February 1st at 6 p.m. Um, if you go to the QR code there, you'll find it. Um, immigration. Tuesdays, you can volunteer to help some of our new migrant neighbors that are coming in to apply for a work permit. You don't have to speak Spanish. Just come and help. If you're a lawyer and work in immigration, come and help. That's Tuesdays. You can volunteer. You can do uh, click on that as well. And we're finally working on some really good legislation called um, with Bring Chicago Home. And so we're part of that, hosting that. And that's going to be on February 24th at the Logan Square Library. Again, anything, uh, put this faith into action, believing because we are basket weavers, using our bodies, every Sunday that we're here. And so guess what? That means we have 52 protests a year. We have 52 um, times of resistance every day. Not every day, every year. And so it's a way for us when we come to worship together and we sing together and we pray together that we are calling forth the world as it should be in faith. So all of us have to be basket weavers. Amen.